0: The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KDOW presents New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing, to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street and the economy. Now
1: your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. I'm excited because I don't I get to work often with the CFP genius mind that is CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth. He's someone I've known for over 20 years and I instantly saw his knowledge base as second to none. And I thought his presentation skills were pretty darn close to the top as well. It's a powerful combination. You'll learn a lot in this hour if you pay attention and if you pick up his podcast, which is available on Apple and Google at their stores, iTunes stores, uh, iTunes app buttons, whatever it is you want to refer to it as. It's under New Focus on Wealth with CFP, Chad Burton. Chad, welcome to the show. How
2: are you these days? Good. Thanks for the nice introduction too. It has been 20, 22 years almost now. It's really sad, but that's actually an introduction I 100%
1: believe in. So it's 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 good. I'm happy to say it out loud. Um, let's hit some emails because people can find you online at EP Wealth. They can uh, email you for your show. They can find you at chadburton.com. These are real emails that I have recently gotten, but I think that they also kind of sum up what's going on in people's minds. This is one that I love. I currently have $174,000 balance on my home loan. That sounds reasonable. 2.25%. That sounds unbelievable. It's a good rate for a 15-year fixed. After April 15, I could pay off this loan. My current monthly payment is $1,668. I could easily pay it for my retirement income. Here's where the email gets fantastic. I'm 91 years old and in excellent health. Should I pay off this loan or invest trying to gain more than 2.25% of my money? This would be a question you and I would banter back and forth as younger men. But as a 91-year-old, I'm looking for your answer. Mr. Burton.
2: Well, yeah. Here's 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 what's changed a lot since we first started doing this together. And we'd say never pay off your house. You could take that money and invest it in California tax free bonds, or if you're outside of the state, you know, in like Washington, just federally tax free bonds, and come out ahead um, because your home interest was deductible. Well, in 2017, taxes all changed. The standard deduction jumped, Um, and so most retirees in America are no longer itemizing. Their deductions, which means instead of writing off their home interest and state and federal taxes, which are now limited to 10 grand, um, and charitable deductions, they're just taking the standard deduction. And so I would bet, I'd be willing to bet, I gotta see the tax return, but I'd yep. be willing to bet, um, unless this person has really high medical expenses. That she's not, she here is not getting a uh, tax deduction from that mortgage. So if they're sitting there saying, "Okay, I've got all, the, I've got cash to pay it off," and um, you know, if they want to take risk in a, and they're willing to, you know, get out there on in the world of stocks, which is typically something you want to have seven to ten years of time frame for, then. You know, take advantage of this dip that we're seeing and and average it in over maybe the next six to twelve months into stocks. Otherwise, you know, putting money into bonds right now, new money into bonds, you still need some bonds in your life. But new money into bonds mean that the Barclays aggregate bond index is down almost four percent for the year. And as interest rates rise, you get pressure downward on prices of bond funds. Individual bonds, it doesn't matter because you just hold them to maturity, you just lose purchasing power. But um in this case, you know, you're know you also thinking about estate planning, right, Rob?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 91 years old. Let's be real. 91 <laughs> years old. I think this is the greatest email I've ever gotten. I have a fan who's 91 years old and who's asking a great question. Yep. I love it. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, no, no. I've been, uh, three clients live past age 100. So um, uh, in, in a case like this, if I'm not getting a tax deduction, I'm not really you know, looking at a 10 plus year time horizon to buy stocks on a big rush of dip. You know, I would prefer if they're not itemizing to pay off the mortgage versus invest in bonds. The other option is to wait a year or two and wait for interest rates to rise. And then you can start locking into CDs that are likely higher than the mortgage again, but that's, that's a patient game. And until then you're only earning about a half a percent on your cash. So um, yeah, this is, this is one that take a look at the tax return. Are you itemizing or taking the standard deduction? If you're taking the standard deduction and you don't want to take a lot of risks in the money, then paying it off is a way to earn 2.25 on that money and kind of clean up your estate.
1: We've got a couple more minutes, so let's get one more email in. You can find me online at Rob Black's show. We do do emails on this show. Rob, my niece is, has $4,000 invested in IRA, Individual Retirement Account at Principal Bank. Should she have EP Wealth help with a small investment or should she try to manage it herself? She's 30 years old. Thirty years old and four thousand dollars is good. Could be a little bit better, but I'm stoked to see this. Um, someone trying to help out a family member who's young. Any thoughts? And like, um, clearly, it's an EP Wealth client because they're trying to ask VP Wealth to help uh, uh, friends and family. What yep. are your thoughts on this one?
2: Um, w- well, we do it both ways, actually. So. First of all, does the kid I've have? Heard, time? I've heard that about you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say. Does the kid have the desire to learn and figure out how to trade? Do they have the time, or are they so buried in college work that this is just not something that they're interested in right now? So they just want us to set it up for them and invest it in a you know couple of ETFs or or funds, for example. Um, the other option is is okay if they they are they are wanting to learn and, a, and an educated client in terms of how you set up accounts and fund them and purchase ETFs. <laughs> Um, is, is a better client because you kind of know how things work. It's not as surprising. So I typically then recommend, okay, set those Roth IRA up at Schwab and uh, buy a couple of ETFs. Or a, a better robo option, Fidelity Go is great for small accounts. I think for 10, under $10,000, it's basically free where you put the money into an account. And it's diversified among Fidelity's really low-cost index mutual funds, and it gets rebalanced for you. So I think those are two options um, in terms of teaching the kid how to do it, how to set up an account, how to fund an account, You know, link it to your bank account, get the money in there, how to look at a W-2 to see how much you can fund the Roth for. Um, So it really just depends on the kid.
1: You know, it's interesting. Let's stay with the kid concept for just a second. That was a good answer. But You've got some kids now who are in their twenties and late teens. Um, talk about helping out children and nieces and nephews. Um, how about things like internships with family members or ex business partners who are out of state? Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's got a young adult in their family who's kind of needing to learn about jobs and finances and you know the young adult things that are part of life? And we got about a minute.
2: Well, first of all, it's very very difficult to work with family members. Uh, okay. even I've told my own kids. Uh, Because my oldest graduated with a personal finance degree from Texas Tech, but he's actually going back to get a a master's in physics. (laughs) So he wants to get into the world of derivatives and commodity trading and things like that. I've always told him, you're not working for me for, you know, at least five years. You're going to go somewhere else. We have other, well, you know, several other EP offices that they can internship and work and learn the ranks. Because, you know, working with family is a special type of... uh, uh, Crazy. Yeah, it's just like, you know... You're supposed to, there's a, there's a, you know, boss and an employee relationship and you you cross the line too much when you're a family member and it's really hard, really, really hard. Good thing I'm not your kid, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's why you see, it's interesting. You see like a generation that'll build the business, um, a generation that'll kind of improve it. And then by the third or fourth generation, it just gets wonky and, you know, they sometimes don't realize how hard it was to create the wealth. And then there's. Too many family members involved and too many interrelationships and problems in the business either gets sold or dissolved. It's just a common cycle.
1: So I remember in coming into my first year of college, maybe my second year of college, Black Friday, 1987, Black Monday, excuse me, where the stock market had this infamous stock market crash. I was more concerned about grades and girls than I was about circuit breakers and 20% drops. But I was around the 97 Asian financial crisis is probably right around the time me and Chad started working together. The Russian financial crisis in 98, the dot-com bubble in 2000, stock market downturn from 2000 to 2002, the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, the flash crash in 2010, the Chinese stock market crash in 2015, 2016, the cryptocurrency crash. We've been there. We've seen it. Again, we haven't seen world wars. We haven't seen the epic uh, battles that Wall Street's had to battle. But we've seen some pretty good ones, including SARS, chicken flu, uh, bird flu, swine flu, um, Ebola, and much, much more. Chad, what do you think about those times of distress um, with clients calling you? Because they don't call me. You're the front man of the client, whereas I'm the front man with marketing. Um, how do people react in times like this?
2: Well, I mean, it just feels awful. I mean... Right. <clears throat> Who it feels really the most awful for is new retirees. Okay. So, you know, you had a great resignation going on, and that's whether it's people just saying, okay, the assets have gone up so much it's time to retire. Yep. That's one side of the great recession. The other one is just people jumping jobs left and right for, you know, a small raise here and there. Um, which I've been warning people, you know, over the last year, be careful on the job jumping for just a small five, ten thousand dollar raise. I know you need it. But if we do go into a recession, you're the first one to go you're the new one, so be very you know be very careful about that because it's still happening so this is the craziest job market i've seen um as a owner in you know the almost thirty years that I've been doing this um I've had so many interviews where you get three three interviews in and you here's the job offer and they just use it to get to take it to their own employer and get a raise <laughs> so it's just uh, it's it's rough um but the the reason why retirees notice it more is because they go from this point in life where you're feeding your your portfolio at the highest level, your highest earnings power, your kids are out of college, you have the most to save, so you're just dumping all this money in over the last 5 to 10 years finally to get to the point of being able to retire. And you go from having a paycheck to living off of these assets for the rest of your life. And so you have more time on your hands in many cases that you're watching it and If you have enough to retire and you stick to that idea of, okay, I I know interest rates are extremely low. I know I'm gonna need to pull more money out each year to fight inflation. So, you know, at retirement, it's you don't wanna be pulling more right now than about three and a half percent of your portfolio in the first year, because you gotta be able to adjust for inflation every single year. So let's let's say if you're retiring with two million dollars. You know that's you can safely generate seventy grand a year if you invest properly, and then increase that withdrawal rate every year to keep up with normal inflation. And so, let's say if you have two million dollars and you're watching the S and P 500 down ten percent, that's two hundred grand on paper, right? If you if you just retired, you know, ten percent decline doesn't sound like much, but when you equate it to the dollar value on your portfolio, that's when it feels really awful. And so, you know, people are going to see that at the end of March when they get their statements, for example. And, and that's sometimes when you get that capitulation selling, that's the biggest buying opportunity in the next decade, but that, that stuff can happen, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why going into retirement, 10 years prior to retirement, you have to have a very detailed plan, very detailed cash flow analysis. Where am I going to draw from? How many, because you have cash, you have, you know, taxable investments, like in a normal brokerage account, you have IRAs, Roths, 401k. You have to know where the money is going to come from, and then you have to know what your portfolio draw rate is. And five years prior to retirement, you have to have three years worth of that in cash. And you know, I've been preaching this with you on radio since 1999. We've got this has gotten it through us these major corrections that we've seen. Um, I mean, Rob, you and I have dealt with three of the four worst corrections in market history during our career, and yet the market is still giving us great returns. Um, but we've, we saw the tech blow up. That was three years in a row of negative returns. First time since right after the Great Depression. We saw the credit crisis. We lived through you know April 2020, that big, huge decline and quick recovery. That was breaknecking speed. Um, if you have a plan going into these corrections, you, the idea of a retirement plan is to make your money last as long as you do. So it's, it's like you have to go into retirement realizing, hey, the market's going to take really good care of me over a 15, 20 year period. It's going to give me great returns. It's going to still probably average 10 to 11% over 20 plus years. But you have to know that it's only positive 70% of the time. And it's the mistakes that you make in the 30% of the time that will ruin your retirement. And so these losses on paper that you see that people are looking at their portfolio and they're seeing it's down you know, 10% or more. And if they're all in stocks, um, usually it's going to be about you know 6 to 7% because even bonds are down on a balanced portfolio. Um, sometimes more depending on how you're invested. Those are paper losses. They are not real losses until you sell something. Okay. And as soon as you have to sell to pay for your expenses, because you have no other choice, because you weren't invested properly going into retirement or in retirement, or if you just panic and you hit that button, I can't take it anymore, I can't take it anymore. And then you sell because you were not invested into something that you were comfortable writing out some of the volatility that's when you turn paper losses into real losses. But if you have the right structure where you have enough cash in the bank and dividends and interest coming from your portfolio that still come to you in good markets or bad markets, dividends were still being paid in April of 2020 when the market was down over 40%. They were still kicking out dividends. And so if you have enough cash and dividends and interest to last you know, through a five to seven year peak down to the bottom of the recession, up to the recovery, You're fine. So it's like you're you're going into retirement, loving the stock market, knowing that it takes good care of you over time. But every single quarter, you're prepping for those downturns by peeling off enough of the growth to replenish the cash that you've set aside. Because Chad and Rob told you that typical year has three seven to ten percent corrections, and every you know five to seven years, you get that twenty to thirty percent correction. And so you just have to always be prepared for those and know how to live through them, and you'll be okay.
1: What do you think about the emails that you and I get during times like this, where people are telling us this time you're wrong? It always reminds me of Dumb and Dumber, where Jim Carrey says, "What do you think the chances of a guy like me and a girl like you end up together?" And she says, "One in a million." So you guys <laughs> telling me there's a <laughs> chance? There's
2: a chance. That's one of the best lines of movies of all time, for um, sure. Or other than,
1: <laughs> or she, said, she said she's going to Austria, and you guys got me throwing a strip on the Bobby. <laughs> Austria, <laughs> not Austria. Or could we be wrong this
2: time? Well, I mean, I I think we need to save that for next break because it's hard to talk about what's going on in the Ukraine without getting depressed and and nervous. And so I I think it's longer than I can talk about in the next, what, 10 seconds that we have here. So let's save that one.
1: Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass, the will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all free pass. Or you could just call it what we call it the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. We're talking about corrections and how we've been through many and how they always feel weird and never comfortable. And yet we rely on history. And I've gotten some emails basically saying this time you're wrong. This time it, it's, it's, and I've gotten that my whole career of basically the guy who's got an email that's ends at AOL.com or 666 is in his email address. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna delete this one. When you get messaging like that, what do you what do you tell them anything or do you just move on? What's your messaging on on current market conditions?
2: Well, you know, I'm telling everybody to brace themselves. It's gonna be a a, a very volatile year because this is an awful situation. I mean, Putin is a disgusting dirtbag, but he's also, it's true, he's an evil genius. I mean, this was all starting to set up, you know, in 2020, COVID hits, he decides to leave OPEC, pump as much oil as he want, it crashed the oil markets here, put a bunch of the frackers out of business, but the people that were lending money to the oil industry, a lot of those out of business. And so the restart of our oil production is going to take a while. You know, even Elon Musk is tweeting out, "We got to pump as much oil as we possibly can right now." Unfortunately, or something like that. Not the perfect quote, but because of the way that you know NATO works and the whole no-fly zone, and it, it's awful because it's like there's no win situation here besides letting Ukraine and Russia play out and then financially choking Russia forever and seeing how long it's going to take to decimate their stock market, all their businesses, and you know the McDonald's, the Goldman Sachs, the Starbucks, everybody that's pulling out, so that they topple Putin from within Russia. And that's really the best scenario here because we can't, you know, that having some sort of a conflict in the airs, um, you know, between NATO is, you know, it's just, it's not a good outcome. Um, And so it's just awful. I mean, it's awful to watch this play out and you have to separate those emotions and those feelings from investing in stocks and you have to pay attention to not, Price movements during times like this, but how is this directly a company, affecting company revenues? Um, what are what are the issues here? We have you know company revenues that are affected, but we also have higher prices. How much of that's being passed on? You know who has the pricing power, who doesn't? Where are the buying opportunities setting up for the next decade? Because that's what these things happen. They take a while to play out, but you start buying in the you know after a ten percent dip in different asset classes. And start aggressively buying after the 20% dip. Um, and just note that, Rob, it's, 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 I, I haven't seen an oil price spike like this without a recession. However, this is probably the strongest underlying economy we've had with an oil sp- spike like this. Um, so
1: I just want to throw out, again, because I like to balance you and not that I'm trying to correct you. I'm just trying to say let's throw, there's no right answers. We, You and I have been through 9-11. We've been through China joining the World Trade Organization, the global financial crisis, the rise of social media, the Arab Spring. We've been through Kuwait, number one, Kuwait, number two. We've seen falling birth rates. You know, we've seen Brexit. We've seen Donald Trump and his policies in the United States, which were kind of a shock to the world. Is this one different in your mind or is this going to be categorized in 10 years from now? Like, oh, that just joins the list of things we've
2: seen. Um, I mean, we have to acknowledge that this one is, is scarier than those. I mean, Kuwait and all that, you know, 9-11 was awful. Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't lead to 150 oil. No, I mean, you you did see the spike in oil prior to the 1999 and and prior to 2007. The issue is just, you know, Putin's just a little bit crazier and has a little bit more, you know, power in terms of the size of Russia and stuff like that. And so, um, it, it, I think we have to acknowledge that this is a much more concerning issue than when we invaded Kuwait, um, just because of the global issues around NATO and stuff like that. But the the thing is, is I'm trying to acknowledge that it's scary. It's different um, in the sense of how geopolitically it's tied Mm -hmm. in Europe and European oil dependence and how, you know, if they stop buying oil, that's definitely going to cause a recession there. Um, but at the same time, it's not like we can just sell into this knowing that there's going to be a drop because we get surprised on diplomacy or what happens from, like, what if, what if people inside Russia just, you know, take care of this themselves and all of a sudden it's gone. And all of a sudden you have a huge market rally, right? Sure. Um, so you can make small surgical moves. Um, just like we were talking about last year, growth assets had gotten too expensive. I mean, this is why if you look at the S&P 500, it's down 10.5%. Um, if you look at, you know, a va- any value ETF, it's down only, you know, three to 5%. But any growth ETF where you look at the growth companies in the S&P 500, it's down almost 18% already. So we're more than halfway there on the typical correction from a recession. If you look at the Russell 2000, which is small mid cap stocks from the November highs of 2021. It's down 17%. And, and VBK, which is an ETF that's small cap growth, is down 23. Small cap value is only down seven. What we were telling people last year, rebalance out of growth, buy some more value. Got too much growth in your portfolio. And the value so that those surgical moves helped, you know, buffer the downside a little bit. Um, and so you just look for the buying opportunities. You have some bonds, you have some cash so that when these buying opportunities present themselves, they are the best buying opportunities for the next decade. And when they're happening, it feels awful. You're watching declines. It doesn't feel right. But this is what's worked throughout history. The people that try to sell all out and go to cash and guess it, first of all, they're missing out on all the dividends and interest that are being paid in a portfolio. It's typically 2 to 3%. That's gone. That money is gone. You don't get that. You might have locked in low prices and then you got to guess when it's the right time to get back in and guess what? The right time to get back in is when it's the scariest time to get back in. So nobody does. So small, small moves, not, not big moves. So if you were my
1: teacher and I were to say, although I may not like the last three months, I certainly liked the last three years, five years, seven years, 10 years in perspective. I probably will like the next three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, although I probably may or may not like 2022. I definitely didn't like the first three months of 2022. How would you grade that as a thesis?
2: Grade that as a thesis. Am I right?
1: Am I wrong? Is it too loose? Do you want me to tighten it up? I can
2: rewrite it? No, I mean, I, th- <clears throat> I think that's good. You know, everybody loved 2021, right? But yep. that was like, it was not a normal market. There was no volatility. And typically we have three, seven yeah. to 10% corrections a year. That's what's normal. Um, and so it's like you got everybody miss- doing the FOMO thing and now they're paying more attention now that we do have volatility. Um, and that's on that volatility and, you're, you have extra cash. You should be looking at the asset classes that have declined the most and sectors that have declined the most and look for the buying opportunities. The movie twins
1: had Danny DeVito and Arnold
2: Schwarzenegger. That
1: could be us. Let's say we're
2: twins. I'm going to take the Schwarzenegger <laughs> role. Or you're going
1: to take the DeVito role.
2: I think we're about the same. Yeah. I think that's, yeah.
1: Let's, let's assume I'm going to buy cryptocurrency and you're not. Um, who's going to come out ahead in the years to come? As far as a vague concept of two brothers, one does and one does not buy crypto.
2: Um, I think that recent regulations show that you know crypto is here to stay. Um, and I've been watching crypto carefully because this would set up a perfect storm for you know people wanting to get out of their country's currency and get into crypto to hide wealth. Um, but it's just been so volatile. It's it is starting to break its ties to risk assets. It's, it's almost been moving directly like you know, small cap growth or or anything, you know, meme stocks, it's all kind of been moving together because of social media and kind of these pump and dump multi-level marketing strategies. That mm-hmm. um, seems to be settling now. I mean, Bitcoin's, you know, since Russia invaded Ukraine, is up, I think, 5.6%. One point is up 16. That's very volatile. Your th- Ethereum was flat. But Rob, the, the world of cryptocurrency, NFTs, did, did you know that Snoop Dogg now owns Death Row Records? Okay. Right, And that is all tied to crypto. It's, if you look at Gala Games, um, they, signed, they signed Snoop Dogg, basically. And uh, this is a gaming and NFT and crypto company. Or it's basically a blockchain company. It's not public yet.
1: For the record, it makes me nervous talking about Snoop Dogg in an investment segment.
2: But go ahead. Well, we'll check, So his next record is coming out on the blockchain. Okay. And then if you look at how people are gaming, and they're literally going in and using crypto to buy you know, the tanks that they play with that they only make a certain amount of and skins and video games. I mean, this stuff is here to stay. It's just, it's foreign to anybody our age or above, but it's something that you got to learn about because it is definitely here to stay. There's, it, there's a whole bunch of executive orders that just got launched, uh, what, two days ago too.
1: We've got about
2: 90 seconds. What are your last thoughts in this segment? Um, the last thoughts, make sure that if you're looking at your portfolio, you kind of, you know what you own you know what your risk exposure is, and you can equate downside. You can kind of look at your portfolio statements for maybe April, May of 2020 and how you felt when that decline happened. Um, and make sure that you're investing in a way that you're comfortable with knowing, okay, I have a plan if this downside does continue. And I have a plan to rebalance when it feels the worst so that I have myself set up for the next decade of buying opportunities. I just don't want people to make emotional mistakes when it comes to investing and going through a geopolitical event like this. Stock market's still going to take care of us over time over the next 15 to 20 years. You just have to be patient.
1: Will it take care of us offsetting inflation or will we have to be a little bit wiser about how inflation's more in our life in the next 10, 20 years? Or will inflation go away and not be an issue?
2: Uh, Inflation will soon to subside after we get through this and the measurements become easier from one quarter to the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But... This is the other thing that you and I've been saying. We we went through a decade of lower than normal inflation, so we're likely going to go through a decade of higher than normal inflation, and here we are. Best way to fight inflation: stocks and commodities. If interest rates are high and coming down, and there's inflation, then it's you know tips. But stocks and commodities—the best way to fight inflation.
1: Special treat coming up: a segment solo with CFP Chad
2: Burton. I'm Rob Black. Been doing this for almost thirty years, and. I don't sell and go to cash. I make small surgical rebalances. I make sure people are in portfolios that if things do get worse, they aren't going to panic and sell out. I make sure people have enough cash on the sidelines to last five to seven years before they, between their cash and their dividends and interest for retirees so that they can make it through a peak down to a trough back up to where their portfolio recovers. And then in retirement, you're always prepping for the next correction by every quarter. Look at your cash. How much did you spend? Sell enough of the growth out of your portfolio and replenish your cash because the market will take very good care of us over time. If you have 15, 20 years, you're still going to see returns of 10 to 11% in most cases. But it's only positive 70% of the time. And the 30% of the time when it's negative, the average negative return is typically 13%. So far, we're down about 10% for the year. When you get those recessions and corrections, sometimes you get those declines like we saw in, in March and April of 2020 of you know, 20 to 40%. That one went away very, very quickly. But the people that tend to try to play it and go all in or all out, they truly look at their returns, their total returns over time. They're not very good. And I've seen it over and over again, because here's the first thing you have to learn about investing. Stocks can provide you with passive income. They Most stocks have dividends right? And there's certain ETFs called dividend achievers or dividend growers. You can look at VIG or SCHD to growth value options, where they buy companies that have a history of paying a dividend and increasing their dividend. Like SCHD, and these are not a recommendation. Uh, This is just a topic. So consult a broker advisor before taking any action. But SCHD yields over 2.5% of passive income from dividends right now, no matter what the stocks inside of it are doing, no matter what the price is fluctuating. So as soon as you sell out and go to cash in difficult times, you miss out on all your dividends from your bonds and your, or your dividends from your stocks and your interest from your bonds. That's an immediate loss. And then the second part of that, which is trying to know when to get back in when it's all over, most people can't ever do that. I want you to look up... Um, not that I like... Uh, the well, I won't. I won't go there. But if Molly Fool has a decent one that shows, okay, there was a very tough period of investing, which is the 20-year period that started from basically January of 2020 to the 20 years later, the end of 2019, and that included the tech correction, negative three years in a row, t- 2000, 2001, 2002, and the Great Recession. So arguably, it was probably the the worst two decades in a row of investing if you were to pick that window, but The S&P 500 with dividends still averaged 6%, a little over 6%. But if a person would have gone to cash at any one point and just missed the 60 best days of trading, all, almost all of which came during the worst years, they would have gone from averaging 6% a year to a a negative 7% average rate of return over that 60, over that 20 year period by just missing out of the best 60 days. Cause a lot of the big rallies come During the tough times where you get these, these relief rallies of up three to 4% on the, on the stock market. So at this point in time, if you're five years from retirement or in retirement, you need to make sure that you have three years worth of portfolio draws and safe, safe money. So that's, you know, what is my total expenses minus my automatic income from like social security, pensions, certain annuities, um, and maybe, you know, dependable rental income. And make sure you have you know that here's my total expenses minus my that type of an income the the value the you know the income the expenses minus the automatic income results in a number that's going to be you drawing from your portfolio principal every year on top of your income three years worth of that should be safe and the rest of your portfolio should have a good balance to it and then you th- talk to a CFP about things like, okay, I've got extra cash. Should I, I don't want to invest in bonds because rates are rising. So should I pay off my mortgage? How does that affect me tax-wise? If I pay off my mortgage, should I increase my insurance, my earthquake insurance? Should I open up a home equity line of credit just in case I need the equity back out? Am I going to continue to live in the house for 10 plus years? All sorts of things go into the planning. But I want people to go into the saying, okay, this is an awful situation that's going on in Ukraine. The Stock market still will take care of me over a 15, 20 year period. It's the mistakes that I make during the corrections, during the bad times that can last forever. There's certain buying opportunities that are setting up. Like I've mentioned since November of last year, we went from, you know, growth and tech assets being too expensive, where we had PE ratios above 30 and the VIX, which is a measure of, of volatility under 30. That's not a good combo. That was that was time to rebalance. And, um, and then the meme stocks and the small cap growth that was getting too expensive. That's all pulled back now since November of last year by 17 to 18%. In some cases, 20 in certain stocks or more. And you've already seen a correction going into a bear market with buying opportunities already set up. So if you're a person that's looking at their portfolio and you've only been investing in the S and P 500 over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, it's been the best place to be. You might want to look at your 401Ks and say, okay, what, what am I missing? When there's a big correction like this globally, what am I missing in my portfolio? Because the stuff that does well over a 15 to 20 year period, but is one of the worst performing assets currently, that's the kind of stuff you start dipping into with your contributions. But it is a good time to look at your overall portfolio. A couple ways to look at it. There's asset allocation, stocks, bonds, cash, commodities, real estate. And then within those the next layer is how much growth versus value do you have and then underlying below that is sector allocation for example there's 11 sectors in the S&P 500 from communication services to real estate to financials and making sure you're not overweight